Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. And good morning, folks. Welcome to today's issues here on American Family Radio. Ray Pritchard here along with Alex McFarlane, Chris Woodward. We'll have uh, Steve Jordahl coming up in the next hour. Wow. What a great program we've got for you. A lot of stuff is happening here in America and around the world. We're going to talk about some of the top stories today and try to give you a little biblical perspective, help you think wisely on these issues. And if you wonder where Tim is and where's Ed and where's Fred, they are all out and about. So we are doing our part while they are gone. They should all be back next week, God willing. Thank you for being here with us. And we're glad to have Alex McFarlane with us today. Alex, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed, uh, Ray. It's so good to be with you and Chris Woodward. And uh, just, you know, amidst all the news, isn't it good to know Matthew 24, 35, the Lord said this, Jesus said, heaven and earth would pass away. My words will never pass away. Amidst all the changing news, which is interesting, fascinating, sometimes unsettling, Mm -hmm. it's good to know the Word of God is forever. Amen. And that's the basis of all that we do here at American Family Radio. So much stuff going on. We want to help you find an eternal perspective and get your feet down, planted on the solid rock of God's truth. By the way, at the bottom of the hour, Sandy Rios is going to join us, and we'll get her very penetrating and unique perspective on the stories of the day. But Chris, let's go to you from the newsroom, and let's talk about the news of the day. Yes. Well, one big story that's uh, kind of developing right now, uh, President Joe Biden appeared before the U.N. today in the uh, New York City area, and he uh, certainly uh, has a lot uh, of things he wants uh, the U.S. and world leaders to try to tackle. Uh, I've got a bit of audio here. One of the things that he addressed early on in his speech Uh, The president, Joe Biden, told the U.N. uh, that we need to all band together to fight COVID and uh, also man-made climate change. Clip 13. And tomorrow at the U.S.-hosted Global 19 COVID-19 Summit, I'll be announcing additional commitments as we seek to advance the fight against COVID-19 and hold ourselves accountable around specific targets on three key challenges. Saving lives now vaccinating the world, and building back better. This year has also brought widespread death and devastation from the borderless climate crisis. The extreme weather events that we have seen in every part of the world, and you all know it and feel it, represent what the Secretary General has rightly called code red for humanity. Now, guys, one of the things that he did not spend a lot of time on, and perhaps this is for uh, understandable reasons, he didn't really go into Afghanistan, which is interesting because a lot of our allies have been upset with how we left Afghanistan. Uh, People may not realize this. They might have forgotten about it, but uh, the U.K., Um, had soldiers in Afghanistan. A lot of other countries did as well at some point in the last 20 years. And the way we left the country, leaving Americans and uh, allies behind, has not been um, something our allies appreciated very much. And that is going to be another uh, headache for this administration. While Mm -hmm. a lot of people here in the U.S. are critical of the Biden administration for doing much, if nothing, about the uh, border crisis. But Let's just uh, pause there. Anything um, in the audio that you heard that stands out to you? Isn't it interesting? 
He wants to talk about COVID, which means we're going to get more regulations, more rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, who knows? He may announce some kind of move toward a vaccine passport. What do you think we should expect from the president tomorrow when he's going to make these big announcements, Alex? Well, I don't know. Did you catch in there when he talked about, quote, man-made climate change, which that in itself is, is a real extrapolation because while the the changes in climate, the ebbs and flows are undeniable, whether or not it's it's caused by human activity is a hotly debated topic among scientists. But then uh, put vaccines under that umbrella. It, it, isn't it interesting for the left right now um, it doesn't matter what the question is. The answer is always mandated vaccines mm-hmm. and more government control. Yeah, I think uh, you have to expect anything and everything with Joe Biden at this moment because we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, over the summer, the president extended the eviction moratorium, and he said at that time, it's probably not legal, but it's worth it. So mm. basically, he'll throw what I mean, at this point, you have to assume he's going to apply that to anything he deems an emergency um, in, in his speech where he said private sector workers have to be vaccinated or face uh, regular testing, he talked about how uh, it was within his power uh, to require federal employees to be uh, vaccinated. And there is some constitutional truth to that in terms of what the chief executive can demand or require of federal employees. But when mm-hmm. you start getting into the private sector, that's a whole nother ball game. But again, sure. this guy thinks that, uh, you know, hey, it may or may not be legal. We'll throw it out there. We'll get it in court. And then by the time it gets through the courts, I'll probably achieve what I want. I'm paraphrasing, but that is what a lot of people have told me. And a lot of people have told Fox News, Newsmax, OAN, uh, things of that nature. It does seem uh, a little alarming, no, very alarming, that this administration's answer to most crises is more government control, Mm -hmm. more power centered in Washington, more power centered, especially now. Uh, He learned a lot from Barack Obama. You know, President Obama talked about, well, I've got a telephone and I've got a pen, Mm -hmm. which basically was his excuse for doing anything he wanted. It seems, Alex, like in the last, Mm -hmm. oh, 10 years or so, we have lost a great deal of the constitutional concept of the of checks and checks balances. And balances. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is really dangerous because part of the genius of the way our founders structured this government, there, there was accountability, there were protocols and the rule of law. And, you know, uh, I, I know we conservatives rejoiced over some of the executive orders that uh, President Trump enacted. Uh, and, hey, I was as big a cheerleader as anybody, but... Um, that sword cuts both ways. I mean, when you've got somebody who is a liberal, progressive, anti-constitutionalist, they can just autocratically, unilaterally, from the desk, impose anything and everything on us. By the way, let me just say this. I saw a news story this morning where the um, International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist, and I mean, I preach in all sorts of churches, but I'm ordained Baptist, and I've been a member of a Baptist church for 30 years uh, but the International Mission Board has now mandated that all Southern Baptist missionaries have to be vaccinated, which, you know, I'm I'm not comfortable with that in that, you know, with Biden, these vaccine mandates, it sets a precedent, just like the, the mask mandates. Mm-hmm. And uh, now all across the country, mayors and governors and city councils are, are far-reaching over their 
uh, authority by mandating this and quarantining that. And it, it just sets a precedent, and the casualty in all this are our constitutionally protected liberties. You know, to, to go back to the question of the executive order, one of the things we, we cheered President Trump for a number of his executive orders, but what, you know, what one hand gives, the other hand takes away. As soon as Joe Biden came into office, he just swept away and has been sweeping away virtually everything that Mr. Trump did by executive order, which, again, Alex, I think shows us the genius of the founding fathers. They gave us a system that was supposed to be, it is the job of the Congress to enact the laws. The executive carries it out, and the judicial mm-hmm. branch uh, makes the tough calls when they have to be made. It, what what you give, what Mr. Trump gave us by executive order, has just basically now, we're not even a year into the Biden presidency, most of those orders are gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think one, uh, one sad thing about our country right now is that a ma- I don't know if it's a majority, but a large number of Americans only know what the Constitution says based on what someone tells them it says. And in this mm-hmm. case, oftentimes it's news outlets and social media. So when a news outlet doesn't go into detail and explain things about executive orders or uh, the powers uh, for the executive branch and the legislative branch and the judicial branch, I guarantee there's a lot of Americans today that, if asked, wouldn't even be able to tell you how many branches of the federal government we have. Mm-hmm. And based on what they think they know is what a news outlet or somebody on, on social media, perhaps in a rant, uh, told them. So I think it this situation really warrants um, – a revival of sorts when it comes to finding out what our constitution says, what it allows, what it doesn't allow for. And that way we can better understand and tackle and address these situations. Uh, if the Lord tarries and we have more presidents down the road, say, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do that. When the constitution clearly outlines those areas. Alex, I'm old enough to remember when, as a, a young kid, we had a class called Civics, mm-hmm. right? And, I was and, just going to say that, yeah. <laughs> we, we had a class. We had a handbook. We studied it. You had to read the Constitution in the public school. You had to study it, and you had to you had to pass a test on it. Uh, Alex, I, I think that's almost gone here by 2021. Now we've got federal agencies putting warnings on the Declaration of Independence in the Constitution. Oh, it's hard to understand. Yeah. Um, does anybody, I, I may be the oldest guy at the table. Do you remember a cartoon in the 70s called Schoolhouse Rock? Yes. And th- there was a thing about a bill, and there was a bill sitting dejectedly on the steps of uh, the Congress, mm-hmm. but it was a cartoon about a three-minute little sing-song about, but it was it was great because it was how bills are brought to the floor and how they're debated and maybe ratified. But it, it is, and folks, let me say this, obviously, as a Christian, the number one blessing is to know the Lord and to be a believer. But secondly, to be an American. Oh, my goodness. We are so blessed to live in a great country that has a, a phenomenal structure, if only we would follow it. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I tell you, uh, just in my experience, you know, from time to time, we talk about these uh, stories like a, a campus reform type story or whatnot, where... A professor uh, is um, shown telling students a bunch of things that have absolutely nothing to do with the topic that professor is employed to teach. Uh, I've been out of college for longer than I want to admit now, 
Uh, but uh, it was not that long ago. I was uh, a college student sitting in a class called Mass Media Law at a public university. Mass Media Law. You would think you would talk about two things, media and the law. No. I had a professor one day take time out of class to tell us why she thought we should never as a uh country overturned Roe versus Wade. And to this day, I have racked my brain trying to figure out why in the world that needed to be a topic for discussion in a class called Mass Media Law. And I've been out of college for 15 years. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? Talking about college, I mean, 30 years ago when I was in an undergrad program, I remember I had a professor that was just always up on a soapbox about global warming, which is what they called it then. Mm-hmm. And they, this professor said, we have 10 years to save the planet. Now, keep in mind, this was the 80s. So, uh, And uh, 20, if we don't do something, and at that point, the something back when I was in college was to oppose anything and everything Ronald Reagan did, because when I was an undergrad, Reagan was in his second term. Mm-hmm. But um, it, th- this professor would say over and over, 20 years from now, the last species alive on earth will be finally dying off because of global warming and um anyway that didn't happen but uh for academics and and part of this is guys i want to get back to the news but Mm -hmm. look everybody has an ultimate thing everybody has a god and if if you don't know the true and living god uh, then your God is going to be something of your own making. And I, I honestly think the reason that progressive liberals, a.k.a. Marxists, are so bent on trying to build this modern-day Tower of Babel, this utopia, it's because they, they don't have the real God, so they're creating uh, this thing they envision. And the only thing that stands in the way of this man-made socialist utopia are pesky things like God, Scripture, morality, and the Constitution. Uh, in essence, doesn't it go back in, in a way, Alex, to the Tower of Babel in, in Genesis chapter 11? Man left to himself apart from God is going to build a monument to his own greatness, and the result is going to be disaster, not deliverance. Modern man has not yet figured that out. Have you ever heard this old saying, in the beginning, God made man in his image, and man's been returning the favor ever since. Ever since, yeah. That's but, good. Um, hey, can I say one thing? We okay. were talking about Biden speaking at the UN, mm-hmm. and Chris, you pointed out that he didn't mention Afghanistan, uh, of course. This is a little bit ancillary, but um, as the Taliban has now taken over, um, we re- have a, a bona fide human rights crisis over there in, in Afghanistan right, right now. But one of the things a lot of people don't know is 90 to 95 percent of the world's heroin mm-hmm. comes out of Afghanistan. And um, mm-hmm. Islamic radicals make a ton of money on the drug trade. And uh, at least to some degree, it was curtailed, restrained a little bit while we were over there trying to help them build a, a government. And so among the dozen other problems with Afghanistan, it's estimated that heroin shipments to the rest of the world will just increase out of Afghanistan, and that's just going to put more money in the pockets of terrorists. Right. Yeah, and there have been concerns. Um, I'm sorry. There have been concerns that um, a lot of the uh, the, um, neighboring countries to Afghanistan, the hostile nations, 
uh, or at least those near Afghanistan are going to be maybe, you know, giving them some cash for some of the uh, weapons and some of the equipment that we left behind and then use that against us or Israel or some other uh, question. A lot of people um, have maybe heard that we left things behind. I don't know that enough people really realize that not only did we leave things behind, a lot of that stuff was made in the USA. A, a mm. lot of those um, aircraft, a lot of the weapons, a lot of the equipment systems and things like that were made by U.S.-based companies. Many of them have offices in states like Pennsylvania, in the Philadelphia area. Pennsylvania, by the way, is the birthplace of one Joe Biden. Mm. It all, it's, it's, just, it, it's, it's a very unfortunate situation that I think has maybe gone away in the news cycle based on uh, Joe Biden's mandate for people to get vaccinated, for more people to get vaccinated. Some people have accused him of, of doing that to get Afghanistan out of the news cycle. I wasn't involved in those discussions, but I don't know that you can necessarily disprove it at this point because Afghanistan has largely gone away. It's kind of a second-page news story at this point. Uh, you'd be lucky to even see it in what's called the first block of a television news program, meaning the beginning of the show up until the first commercial. It's just gone. We talk about it, but I don't know that enough people are. But anyway, yeah. one of the other uh, topics that I do want to uh, bring in and get some sound on, certainly you know, Biden's at the U.N. today talking about climate change and COVID. He's getting hammered here at home for doing next to nothing on the border crisis. Now, the administration maintains that it is doing its job on the border and it's sending people back. Uh, but we do uh, see in here all kinds of news stories about how people coming across the border uh, illegally are being sent to parts unknown in the U.S. and never to be heard from again. I've got a bit of an exchange here. It's kind of long. Uh, it's about 80 seconds long. But here is Fox News reporter Peter Ducey asking White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki yesterday on the different COVID policies when it comes to people flying into the U.S. versus people crossing the southern border illegally. Clip one. Question about what's going on at the border. Is somebody asking the foreign nationals who are walking into Del Rio, Texas and setting up camps on this side of the border for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test? Well, first of all, I can re, re, I can readdress for you or re-talk re you through what that steps the, we that take. That is the policy for people who fly into the country. So if somebody walks into the country right across the river, does somebody ask them to see their vaccination card? Well, let me explain to you again, Peter, how our process works. As individuals, as individuals come across the border, uh, and uh, they are uh, both assessed for whether they have uh, any symptoms. If they have symptoms, they are the intention is for them to be quarantined. That is our process. They're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. I don't think it's but the same here. thing. The it's not the same thing. These are individuals, as we've noted and as we've been discussed, we are expelling individuals based on Title 42 specifically because of COVID, because we want to prevent a scenario where large numbers of people are gathering, posing a threat to the community and also to the migrants themselves. So those are the policies that we put in place um, in large part because, again, the CDC continues to recommend Title 42 be in place given we're facing a global pandemic. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, but something that stood out to me was the spokesman for the president of the United States, a.k.a. the most powerful person on planet Earth, saying these people coming in across our border are not planning on staying here for a long time. They're tourists. What what does that even mean, Chris? I mean, aren't they? What What is she saying? They're coming for the weekend? Basically, they're coming to sojourn, if you will. They're just, you know, they're just travelers like they're going to go back. Okay, they just left a country that they feel is not safe for them. 
uh, they want a better opportunity, all those things that we can understand and have a conversation about. But she just said on national television in the clip we played that these people are not planning on staying here long term. Why then the, the, are we shipping them out to all the parts of the country? Yeah. I, I, I mean, this is just crazy. This, this is how how stupid do they think that we really are? I mean, and, and yeah, I, I'm watching right now a, a news feed of, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people crossing in, being scattered. There's a story right now on, on Fox News of a Texas rancher that says she has, there are 23 illegal immigrants mm-hmm. on her property, says the Border Patrol is overwhelmed and she's asking for help on how to get these people off their property. Hey, by the way, let me just throw this in here, guys. Um, about two years ago, just before COVID happened, um, I was at a uh, meeting in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, of conservative leaders, and there were people there were like James Dobson and Tony Perkins, and the the subject of immigration and border control came up, and of course, you know, President Trump, then President Trump, was talking about building the wall, which the Democrats were fiercely opposing, and uh, an Arizona. Uh, rancher told a testimony of how, and this didn't even make the news, but uh, illegals, uh, he basically had living quarters for some of his ranchers way out on his uh, Arizona ranch, and Mm -hmm. illegal drug lords took it over, killed his employees, and uh, they had to get U.S. Marshals to help him recover his, you know, building on his own property. Didn't make the news, and, you know, why why the liberals want open borders and dangerous people come into the nation at the you know expense of taxpaying american citizens that's a whole nother story mm-hmm. but it's it's just irresponsible and the way that they try to defend it is ludicrous i think it's a dereliction of duty and also a misuse mm-hmm. of taxpayer dollars from that texas or the uh, the ranch owner i mean he has been paying taxes all of us pay taxes for things like defense, and for whatever reason, it's just Secure been the largely borders. ignored. Yes. Yeah. It it appears as if the we, we've said a lot about open borders, but it appears as if that's actually what's happening now. That there's no restraint at all. We've seen these shocking these, the the drone pictures of thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming in, not being stopped, not being checked. And to answer your question, Alex, how stupid do they think we are? Evidently, they must think we are very stupid because nobody really believes these people are coming in for a short period of time, tourists for a weekend. And she said it with a straight face, meaning she knows it's not true. She knows Mm -hmm. we know it's not true. And she says it anyway because the mainstream media is not going to call her out on it. I think one of the reasons why we don't hear stories like the one Alex just shared is because oftentimes our news cycle and social media feeds are dominated by half-truths and um, false stories. I was going to say fake news and I've false news but anyway um there's a lot of stuff out there that's not true case in point yesterday and you guys have probably seen the images of the border patrol guy that was supposedly using a whip to hit Mm -hmm. people on the border it was the reins that he was using to ride the horse but that truth got halfway around the world and had all kinds of politicians talking about it and criticizing the uh, border patrol 
uh, when it clearly wasn't true. And that's why stories like the one Alex shared don't make it to the news cycle because we're talking about things that aren't true. What Stay tuned, Mark folks. You're listening to today's issues on American Family Radio. We'll be right back in just about three minutes. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. You know, when Matthew 19, the the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, (laughs) marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. A photograph surfaced the other day showing Border Patrol agents on horseback rounding up illegals in Del Rio, Texas. Democrats became enraged, as did their cohorts in the drive-by media. They accused agents of using whips to corral the illegals. Speaker Nancy Pelosi called for investigations. The White House said it was horrendous, but it all turned out not to be true. Agents were not whipping anyone. The cords dangling from the horse happened to be reins, a standard piece of equipment used to guide and direct horses. Had the media just called Border Patrol, this would have been a non-story, but they did not. And this is what happens when journalists speculate instead of investigate. The sad reality is most national reporters don't know the front end of a horse from the back end. My new book, a great addition to your devotion collection, are daily biscuit devotions with a drawl, available at toddsterns.com. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio.
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back to today's issues here on American Family Radio. Ray Pritchard here along with Alex McFarlane and Chris Woodward. And we are so glad that you have joined us for this exploration, looking at some of the uh, hot topics of today and trying to bring some biblical perspective, help us keep our feet grounded in the right place on God's eternal word. And hey, we are so glad to have with us Sandy Rios. Now, listeners to this program, you know her very well. She's host of Sandy Rios in the morning, weekdays across American Family Radio on all of our different stations. Sandy, welcome. How are you? Thank you, Ray. I'm great. I'm great. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I want to ask you about what is going on down at the border. I know we, we, I think we gave you the topic of Joe Biden up at the UN, but I, I want to push that off to the side <laughs> for a moment because I think our listeners need to, you need to help us think about this because we've talked over and over and over again about how bad things are on the border, but they seem to have gotten exponentially worse in the last few days. These shocking drone videos. Sandy, tell us what is going on on America's southern border? Well, uh, uh, it looks as though, Ray, I think a coordinated effort by someone has taken place to bring people from, uh, more people, shall we just say, more people, thousands of people. I think they said the count is up to 9,000, last I saw. Uh, people to that particular area underneath this bridge uh, in Texas. And a lot of them are from Haiti. Uh, but there are all kinds of nationalities there. There people are coming from all over the world, including they're concerned that some of them may be terrorists. Uh, and, you know, they're pretty well-dressed, and they, they show up. And so someone seems, oh, this is me talking, There's someone seems to be coordinating this, coordinating this like they did when the caravans were coming north. I, re, I know we would mm-hmm. all remember those images. So uh, the Biden administration, uh, uh, during the presidential election, you may recall that President Biden and all the people around him uh, talked about how they embraced and believed in open borders. They talked about it a lot, Beto O'Rourke. In fact, they remember they had a debate and they almost all had to like weigh in and affirm that on some level they believed in open borders. But the point is, I think that this is what we're seeing. We don't see Kamala Harris at the border. We don't see Joe Biden at the border. Uh, we don't we at, while they are have their knickers in a knot over every American, you know, masking and being vaccinated. No one coming across the border, flooding across it is vaccinated that we know of. Uh, we're not even checking. Mm-hmm. And when Jen Psaki, Psaki's asked about it, she's just uh, making jokes or dismissing it. So we have chaos. We have our, our border has broken down. Uh, mm-hmm. Just one thing before a follow up. I need to make this clear. It looks like the Governor Abbott and, the, and Texas has taken this on. It's costing them billions of dollars, mm-hmm. uh, but they're trying to stop this flow. And the Biden indust- uh, administration, under I think it's called Rule 43, allegedly is returning people, I think, to Haiti. Um, and that is a rule that was put in place by the Trump administration that they have not been able to shake free of. So that's the only reason, from my perspective, that they're doing that. So that's kind of the update on it. So... To, to go circle back around to the very first point you made, 
you said someone seems to be coordinating this. Obviously, we don't know who it is, but give us a little thought about if somebody is or some organization is behind this, what's the end game? Out of this chaos, what are they hoping to accomplish? Uh, well, I think uh, they're hoping to accomplish chaos, confusion. Uh, the the radical left is all about deconstruction. We've talked about this many times. They want to destroy countries and nations and their cohesiveness. They want to destroy their economies. Uh, I, I think uh, when you're asking who's doing this, I think of George Soros. People like him mm-hmm. are the kinds of people. George Soros is big on open borders. Because he wants to destroy countries so that he can make have some financial gain and have control. Uh, so this is intentional. You know, I have to tell you this. Uh, to my from my history of working in this, what I'm doing, information. This goes back to Ted Kennedy. Uh, Ted Kennedy was the first person that introduced uh, a new kind of immigration where we would open the floodgates to third world countries rather than choosing people who could sustain themselves once they got here, who had relatives, who had jobs for them and places to stay. It was Ted Kennedy who did that. That was the beginning of uh, the destruction. And uh, Bill Clinton accelerated it, and now, I, you know, Obama accelerated it, and now here we are at, at war trying to really, as millions of people come into the country from other cultures and lands uh, who are not vetted, who have not really become Americanized, it will transform the country, and that's mm-hmm. what they want. I have a question, Sandy. Yeah. Uh, off the top of your head, how many world powers today would you say have open borders? The only example that comes to my mind quickly is uh, the European Union, who did away with their borders you know, in order to implement the euro. And But that's not exactly a fair uh, assessment because that's – even though they are all European, they have a, a they have a common culture. Uh, they may dress differently, but mm-hmm. they have a con- they have a Western culture that's born out of Western civilization. So, but that's the only example I could think of it uh, of Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do they expect us to do this and not themselves? Now, who's who? Who do you mean? World, uh, other nations. I mean, do they you know expect us to just accept anybody and everybody, but not play by the same rules? No, I think. I think the people of the world are are, are uh, grappling with the same thing. Italy, you remember, was uh, being uh, invaded on their southern uh, on their southern coast. <laughs> Excuse me, mm-hmm. and and Germany too was being invaded from the Middle East. And uh, they uh, no, I think most of the people around the world. I've interviewed many of them. The regular people, France too, are not happy with this. It's it is the leftist elites who are doing this. It's the mm-hmm. Macrons. It's the uh, uh, what's his face who just got reelected in Canada? Trudeau. Trudeau. It's Trudeau. It's Joe Biden. It's it's the Barack Obama. It's George Soros. Mm-hmm. It's not the people who want this. This is being foisted on every prosperous nation. There may be some exceptions, but almost without exception, they're trying to destroy these nations. You know, Article Four, uh, Section Four of the U.S. Constitution says that the federal government will protect the U.S. states from invasion. <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> th- this <laughs> yes, certainly seems to be uh, a type of invasion. I remember in the second Obama term, uh, when Obama was asked about securing the borders, uh, he said, 
uh, these people are coming, they're indigent, they're hungry, uh, to turn them away, quote, that's just not who we are. Do you remember that statement? Oh, sure. And yes, it played on people's sympathies. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I get it. Uh, no nation has been a greater engine of benevolence than the United States of America. But the thing is, you know, when it comes to, quote, being who we are, what about the rights of the taxpaying citizens? What about the safety and security of the American population? And what about, first of all, looking after the interests of the citizens? I mean, isn't that the fiduciary responsibility of of the chief executive, uh, first and foremost, to look after the citizens before we look after... Uh, and, and by the way, let's just admit, or acknowledge rather, that these people coming in, um, they're not all people of good faith and goodwill. I mean, they're I mean, they are making us a less safe society. And the way to to um, raise question, what's the end game, mm-hmm. Sandy? And I want you to comment on this. Look, these uh, refugees, immigrants, illegals—call them what you will—they're dispatched to various parts of the country. You do do this in a number of times, and you give them amnesty, and then they can vote. I mean, this is a trickling in of more and more people for the Democrat voter base. Well, that's absolutely true. And that's exactly, I think, what Ted Kennedy had in mind years ago. I don't know if he really thought through this big plan that they had, uh, but uh, it is it is absolutely a way that it, who the Democrats have this uh, really extensive uh, immigration. They're the ones that are running these uh, assimilation camps and refu- these, oh, I'm trying, trying to say, um, helping helping the refugees in incredible ways. They pour tons of money into that. And then, of course, they just, then it's all Democrats that the new immigrants know. And that does develop their voter base. There's no question about that. That's the, actually, Alex, that's the kindest way to interpret this. Okay, so they just want no vo- new voters. Well, I think the reason is a lot more insidious. I think it's probably what I described. And, and I want to a- hasten to say that that doesn't mean to individual illegal immigrants coming in are all bad people. I'm sure many of them have to be admired because they've gone to a great lengths mm-hmm. to find a better life for their families and for themselves. It's, but they are pawns. Um, the other thing that I has always has helped me understand this, you know, think of America. America is our family. It's our national family. We each have, you know, our last name. We have a family with a house and uh, walls that we have. But then our country is also our extended family. And if you bring that down, the, the, what they're doing to just a family, and you think about being in your home and you're, you're the dad and you're paying the bills and you're paying for your kids' schooling and their insurance and you're feeding them and all of that, and some disaster happens or something happens at your neighborhood, uh, no one can do that but you. And you look out your door and there's uh, your neighbors from next door. They're desperate. Well, you might let them in, actually, and put them at your table and feed them and try to take care of them because you've known them and you're compassionate. Mm-hmm. But then the door knocks and there's the other neighbor on the other side, and then you let them in, and then you realize you don't have quite enough food or quite enough, and then you open the door and there's a long line, an endless line of people from your town who need help. Well, so you invite all of them. If you invite all of them in, you can't feed anybody properly. You can't clothe them properly. You can't provide for them. It really becomes meaningless. We couldn't possibly do that as a family. And the American mm-hmm. family can't possibly do that either. That's not inhumane. It's just a fact of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Sandy. Um, 
in terms of people on the center right, those that are more concerned about the border than people on the left, do the people on the right, including candidates for office, do we need to be better communicators and share a lot of what you just said? Because, um, now granted, the news media is only going to pick and choose what they're going to put on a newscast. But, uh, you know, none of us are opposed to these people coming here and becoming Americans. It's just that, listen, we have rules, we have guidelines, you need to follow those rules. We are a nation of laws, at least we used to be. Uh, and, and therefore, you need to go through the hoops that everybody is expected to do. You can't just come here. Um, it, it seems like uh, that um, topic or talking point is not necessarily shared by people beyond yourself when they go on newscast to, to do this. Oftentimes, they're just presented as being haters and anti-immigrants. Well, I think you're you're right, Chris. That this is an obstacle that those of us in media face. When I used to do a lot of television, it was one of my greatest uh, challenges was to make the message that I was bringing. It was always unpopular to the general public. As make it not water it down, but present it in such a way that they could actually comprehend it. I would say though, on this, I just saw an MSNBC reporter yesterday take Kamala Harris to task for what's happening at the border. She's one of their lead anchors. Well, that I person's last day was glorious. <laughs> was what? I, I, I joked that that was, that was her last day on the job since she took on the oh, vice yeah. president. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's probably true. Uh, but uh, so I, I, do, I think we have more sympathy in the country than we might realize. Uh, but there are some ideologues uh, who are bent on this, but they're, uh, I don't think we can convince them because they have other reasons. I do think there's a better way to present it. I think the other part, part that's missing that we – this just may be hard to explain, but it's actually very cool – and that is the fact that anybody on the globe can become an American. Because America is not uh, the way you look, the way you dress. America is an ideal. It's a system. It's a constitution. It's a statement of principles about a declaration of independence that has nothing to do with your race or your background or your upbringing. And the way we have managed to be a melting pot, a powerful melting pot, is that everyone coming into this country must embrace those ideals and be one with us and join and our family. Yes, not just come and live here geographically and send money home to family in other countries. That's hey, not, Sandy, I've got to ask you um, one, one thing that I want to point out. Uh, Sandy is one of the keynote speakers at the upcoming Truth for a New Generation conference, October 15 through 17, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And folks, there is still time to register. Biblical worldview, we're going to talk about a Christian response to the woke movement and how we must recover a biblical worldview. And this relates to a story coming out of uh, FRC in Washington but, Sandy, I want to say how excited we are, and we've been talking. Right now we have people signed up from 14 states. By the way, if you want to come and hear Frank Turek and E.W. Jackson and Sandy Rios, somebody asked me, is it going to really be in person or are they going to be by video? No, <laughs> Sandy Rios will be in person, and you can go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com, to register October 15 through 17. But I want to say, Sandy... Um, I don't know that we've ever gotten so much buzz about a speaker coming, and I want to thank you for making time to come be with us in several weeks uh, down in South Carolina. That's really sweet of you, Alex. That's really kind. I I don't even know what to say. I, I, well, can I just say what is really on my mind? It's probably yeah, the course. wrong thing to say. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, I, you know, I've been in communications all my life. 
uh, well, most of it. It's either as a singer or uh, as a uh, someone's. It's just communication has kind of been the common thread, and um, I guess I'm all right at it, or I wouldn't be have done radio for so many years. But I don't think I'm a good speech maker. That's I'll just tell people. <laughs> I don't think I do good speeches. I don't think I. I need a speech writer. Alex, could you write my speech and then I'll deliver um, it? Can we do that? I could, but listen, you're you're great as it is, and. Um, you know what? All of us, Ray and Chris and Sandy, we're here because of passion for the truth. Mm-hmm. You, you know, one of my favorite verses, and Sandy, comment on this if you would. Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says, His word was in my heart like a burning fire, meaning God's wow. word. God's word was in my heart like a burning fire. That's why we look at the world through the lens of Scripture. That's why we see what's going on in the news and the Spirit of God brings brings the lens of Scripture to us. Um, when you know the Lord and His truth, you can't help but see life differently. Am I right? Absolutely. You know, it's funny you should say that passage because I have I am in the book of Revel, uh, Revel, Jeremiah right now myself in my personal reading, and I just went back and reviewed that verse in the last few days. I just uh, I said, but His word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. Um, and uh, I, he says, I'm weary of holding it. Indeed, I cannot. Yes, that would be me. That would be mm. me. Uh, I just thought when Jeremiah was uh, writing that, at the first part of it, he was complaining about the culture. He had a lot of things to complain about. He was upset and talking to God, and you, he sounded so discouraged. And then he turns right around and says, you know, uh, his word is, my, is in my heart like a fire. So... Um, it's true. Both things are true, aren't they? We are looking at the world around us. We get discouraged and we get depressed. Uh, and um, it, it feels like giving up. I know when uh, uh, you introduced me today, you asked me how I was. And I said, great, because I am great. You know why? Because his word is in my heart like a fire. <laughs> that's why I'm great. It isn't because of what I see in the news or what I'm reporting on every day. So that's I, I love that you mentioned that, Alex. Sandy, thank you so much. Uh, for being on with us this morning. We've kept you a little longer than usual, but we yeah, love listening I, I, to you. The bill's in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, no. we, we'll tell Tim. We'll tell Tim to <laughs> yeah, cut the check. Okay. Thank you so much for being with us. What's up on your program, Sandy Rios in the morning? What do you have on tap for tomorrow? Do you know yet? I do, actually. Often I don't, because I try to do day of, you know, so I never know. Right. But uh, Alex McFarlane is going to be on with me tomorrow talking about uh, this upcoming Biblical Worldview Conference. And we're going to talk about what's going to be happening, what we're going to be covering. And I'll ask Alex some questions too, Alex, about what, what he how he sees the world right now. So it should be great. And then at, at 8.20, the second segment tomorrow, we'll, we'll be talking about, um, um, let's see, um, how... Gosh, I'm just trying to assimilate through all the topics. It's immigration, and it has to... Oh, it's about how the Senate parliamentarian... Uh, has thwarted, at least for the, at this point, the plan of uh, Democratic senators to put amnesty for all of the illegal immigrants we're just now talking about to give them citizenship or, or um, uh, um, what do you call amnesty. And so the parliamentarian in the Senate has just stopped that. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. Fantastic. Great stuff. Sandy, thank you so much. And we'll You're very talk welcome. to you again next oh, week. Okay, very good, you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Chris... 
What's we got a few minutes left? We do. What's I want to mention story? this. Thank you very much. Uh, I wanted to mention this. It's something we have covered on AFN.net. That's our news website. We'll continue to cover it. Uh, but the update with this story is that the U.S. Supreme Court has decided to hear an abortion case out of Mississippi on uh, December 1st. This is the Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, also known as the Mississippi abortion case. And again, it's going to be at the uh, Supreme Court on December 1st. A lot of people for and against uh, Mississippi's restriction on uh, most abortions after 15 weeks, they've been filing briefs for and against the issue. I've got some sound here from someone who is in favor of the Mississippi abortion case. His name is Dr. Jamison Taylor of the Center for Political Renewal. I spoke to him yesterday about his brief and the reason why he uh, likes what Mississippi is trying to do here. Clip five. The Dobbs case before the U.S. Supreme Court is about a law that Mississippi passed that I supported and the Center for Political Renewal also supports. That law limits abortion after the first trimester. And in passing that law, our argument was that Roe v. Wade and other related cases like Casey are based on old case law and old science. The rest of the world, except for rogue countries like China and North Korea, limit abortion after the first trimester. And they do that because late-term abortions, second, third trimester abortions, are dangerous for women. So what Mississippi did with that law is say, we're going to follow the international scientific and medical consensus, and we are going to regulate abortion after that first trimester. Now, just to explain a few things there, Roe v. Wade is the Supreme Court case back in the early 70s that legalized abortion nationwide. Casey was a Supreme Court case from the early 90s that basically upheld Roe v. Wade, uh, and people are still talking about it almost 30 years later. And now this issue is whether or not Mississippi or any other state can set a restriction on when exactly an abortion can be done. And uh, some people have talked about how this is a case to overturn Roe. Others have said it's basically a case to maybe allow states to set some sort of restriction. And, of course, a lot of people, guys, are watching this to see how Trump's nominees, Justices Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Mm -hmm. Kavanaugh, and Neil Gorsuch, are going to come down on this issue at a time when the Supreme Court has a, some might call it conservative majority, not counting John Roberts. Lord only knows how he might rule on these and other issues. Sure. It's seen, well, it's, go ahead, Alex. You, what do you think? The, the you left think is seems bent on there being no legal protection for the unborn. I mean, that's uh, and and one of the things that that you know, I'm like a broken record, but I always take us back to moral. You can call it moral truth. You can call it what Jefferson said, self-evident truth, or you can call it natural law. What Washington said. But one of the ways that I argue my pro-life position with people, because right away pro-choice people will say, well, you know, don't bring your religious beliefs into the conversation. Um, My belief that it's wrong to kill babies is a a natural law position. It's not fundamentally a religious presupposition. Uh, The Constitution and Declaration are predicated on certain rights that all people have, the most primary being the right to life. So uh, there's a lot of ways we can argue this, but uh, abortion is wrong because it's taking away the most fundamental right that all people inherently possess, Mm. the right to life. You know, i got to be honest with you. I think the life issue explains... It's hard to rationalize the irrational, but I think the life issue explains why a lot of people 
on the left, in this case, do all kinds of crazy, immoral things. If you are okay with killing a baby because it's an inconvenience, you have no scruples. Nothing on planet Earth will bother you. Chris, let, let me tell you, uh, one of the last conversations I had with my mom before she went to be with the Lord, because and my mom was a devout Christian and conservative, but here, here's the thing. Um, the highest ethical principle is how you view human life, you know. Uh, it, would you, um, you know, j- I, literally, I was at a picnic one time, and there was a woman that was deathly afraid of water. She didn't swim but a little boy fell off a fishing pier, and I'll never forget her, her name was Mrs. Russell. She dove in the water and rescued a drowning child. And then once the gravity of the situation sunk in, everybody was like, oh my goodness, she's terrified of water, but to save a, a little boy, and she did, she dove in the water. Well, here's my point. The highest ethical precept is human life. And so if you, like you said, Chris, if you don't have scruples, if you're not under conviction over the killing of babies, I doubt you're going to care who's in bed with whom. Yeah. People, people ask, what, what about gay marriage? What about transgenderism? Look, um, if, if you fail at the highest moral principle, life, you're probably also going to fail at the lower moral questions. And all the people on the back pew said amen. <laughs> kind of brings us back to the Declaration of Independence, doesn't it? We hold these truths to be self-evident. What's the first one, Alex? It's life. The most, that's a tremendous thing that you said. Life is the, it's the most fundamental of all the ethical principles. You get that wrong, you're going to be wrong almost everywhere else. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, if we actually lived where all, and believe all people are made in the image of God, that would solve racism. Of course, I'm going to acknowledge the humanity of my neighbor. They're made in the image of God as all people are. That's right. Well, folks, you've been listening to um, to today's issues on American Family Radio. I want to thank Sandy Rios for being with us. Chris, thank you for thank being you with us much. this hour. Always great. Steve Jordahl will be slipping into that chair in the next segment. Alex and I will be here. Stay tuned, folks, for more informative content here on American Family Radio. We'll be back in just about five minutes. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.